Podcasts from the Cat. Voices and sounds from Crew and Nantwich. You're listening to Business Brunch. And today we're talking to a business owner who started his working life on the factory shop floor and is now running the very business that trained him. Our guest this morning joined Newbrook Engineering as an apprentice back in the 80s, became a foreman in in 1990s and is now managing director. In the hot seat today, we're pleased to welcome Kevin Williams. Uh, Kevin, welcome to Business Brunch. Hi. Kevin, you've, you've made the dream journey from the shop floor to the boardroom, but before we talk about Newbrook Engineering, uh, tell us about the training involved uh, that's required before you can become an engineer. Right. I uh, start off with, I got an apprenticeship with Newbrook Engineering, which then sent me out on a day release to Hartford College, where for the next four years I spent one day of the week going to college and doing theory and practical work and basically learning the basics of engineering. So in in the workshop you're doing practical work, working with other engineers, learning what what they've spent their time doing. And then, am I right in saying if you... When you go to college, they're teaching you the theory. Are they teaching you some practical as well? Yeah, with spending four days at the factory, you're always learning. You've got uh, qualified engineers working with you and they teach you what they know and you pick up things and they gradually bring you through it. And then the the one day a week you go and do uh, theory work but also you did do some practical. My last time I was there, one year we did a uh, canoe trailer for a canoeing society. We made up and everything. So, yeah, you learn both ways. So you're learning to use plans, you're learning to use materials, how to cut them and, and how to join them together. Yeah, yeah, you, you basically, you get given a drawing and then it's down to you then to decide how you're going to make it the best way to make it you then work out all your dimensions and everything you cut the material up and you do whatever holes or whatever bend it whatever and weld it all up and then so you see it from start to finish so how did you feel that first time you you saw a plan petrified <laughs> <laughs> and you had to interpret the plan yeah it, yeah it was a bit scary i'd, I'd to be fair i had done the technical drawing that uh, school before we left and got no level in it so I did understand basic drawing so it wasn't quite so scary as if you hadn't done technical drawing. So you've come to the end of your time at college was there any help in those days um, in applying for jobs helping you apply for jobs and, and choosing a career? Well I was fortunate that as soon as I finished my apprenticeship I was taken on full-time at Newbrook Engineering so um, that was I was very fortunate that way I don't know if if you didn't get taken on I suppose it's down to the job centre and try and find somebody that would actually take you on today there, there would be tons of support from the institution the, the, the educational institution but in the 80s I don't think they had the level of support did they no, no, they didn't. It was down to the person to decide what sort of career they wanted to do and then just basically try and get an apprenticeship within that area and uh, hopefully you'd 
got taken on after your apprenticeship. If you didn't, you'd have to then try and find somebody else who would take you on. So looking back and having spent a, a lifetime in engineering, share with us what you feel are the most important aspects of your training and how they've helped you develop your career. Well, I had a very good boss at the time, uh, Gerald Newbrook, who started the business. Um, he was very understanding. He would explain how things he wanted them being made and the best way of doing stuff and everything. And he always sort of put in this thing where you take pride in your work, so you don't cut corners. I mean, at times we always get accused of over-engineering things. We don't want anything to fail, but, you know, we know that whatever we've made, it will stand the test of time. Um, so, yeah, I had a very good teacher or leader to start with. So did they reinforce that at college when you were you're um, looking at the theory? And... Not, not so much, no. They, they just teach you how to go about doing stuff. Jerry seemed to take me one step beyond and got me actually thinking about how to make stuff and what happens if I do this, what happens if I do it this way. And he was letting you learn, partly by your mistakes, which I made quite a few mistakes. Yeah, like experiment and try and find your own feet and your own way and hoping you'd learn by your mistakes and then you're not making any mistakes. So, I mean, it sounds like you had a terrific boss. Um, these days, failure is accepted as part of the learning process. Yeah. You know, yeah. if you're not making mistakes, if you're not, you're not trying anything new in, in effect, really. So, so, yeah, I mean, he was before his time, really, your boss. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I've always, because we used to do, I used to do a lot of site work when I was on the tools. And one of the comments I always used to say, if we were out putting steel work up and what have you, and if there was a problem, kind of a good engineer is how he can think how to get around the problem and actually sort it there and then without throwing his arms up in the air and going, oh, no, no, no. But he's, he can be there thinking, right, how can we get around this? And uh, so it's not as much as just the looking at the drawings and saying, yeah, I've got to do it, this, this and this. It's as, much, as Jerry always used to say, imagine you're in the war and you're stuck in the desert and the Germans are coming over the hill. How do you get out of the problem? Right, so he's getting you to think. Yes. To think deeply about how you can resolve the, the issue. Yes. Yeah. And, and out of that, you've, you've become an engineer that has taken a lot of pride in everything he's made. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd hate anything that doesn't go out that's right and uh, isn't plumb. And even at home, when I'm walking around at home, and look at it, that's not plumb. That's no good, and it just winds me up. So. Well, you're a man after my own heart, because... Uh, my father was a, a builder, and so plum is a word I use at home as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, no, Jerry was very good to us. You're listening to Business Brunch, and on today's show we're talking to Kevin Williams from Newbrook Engineering. Kevin, uh, stepping into the MD's shoes is a, is a big leap. So tell us about some of the issues you had to deal with in the first few years. Yes, it was a very big eye-opener. Um, it was all the paperwork that I'd never really had anything to do with. You've got health and safety, uh, finances, all all sorts of things. And uh, yes, I got a very rude awakening 
when uh, I decided to take over the company. Um, yeah, it, I say the health and safety from when I started to when I took over as MD has gone that different now. It's incredible. You need paperwork for this, paperwork for that, and yeah, it's completely different from when we actually started doing the jobs. So what kind of support did you get? Uh, presumably you've got admin staff that helped you with the minefield of paperwork, but how, how did you kind of get your feet under the table and um, and take over the position of running the firm? Um, I actually at the time had Jane, my sister, who's now actually a director of the company. She started to look after the finance side. So... As, as of now, Jane actually deals with all the finances and health and safety now, uh, and any accreditations that we need to get. Um, but at the time, I mean, at the time, I didn't even know how to write an email. So Jane, God bless her, sat down patiently and taught me how to write an email on a computer. And uh, yeah, it, it was a very big learning curve. Um, like today, when I first took over and sat down in the office, and I just looked around the office and went, "Now what do I do?" Well, exactly. So, and there's yeah. nobody behind you saying, "Well, you can do this or you can do that." No, well, you see, the boss that I bought the firm off, he actually became terminally ill, so I couldn't ask him where everything was and what was this, what was that. So I had no support from my old boss, unfortunately. Uh, Jerry, he popped in and tried to help, but things had moved on from when Jerry retired up to that point. Um, so he was trying to advise me what bit he could. And yeah, we just ended up having to um, get a firm in to help us with the health and safety and uh, the legal side employment for employing people so yeah it was a very big learning curve so that i mean that was a good move to get a third party in to help you with health and safety because clearly that's a major issue for an employer isn't it it is absolutely major because if anything goes wrong and you've not done everything right yeah you're in trouble so when you first sat behind that desk and you you realised your responsibility. What were your aspirations for the firm right at the beginning and, and how have they changed to the present day? Well, when I first sat down, I just wanted to, right, let's see the next six months out and, and learn the business. Uh, I mean, we're, we're still learning the business now after seven years. And we just wanted to improve, improve things, with me being been on the tools and been out on site, it's just simple things like we needed better transportation to get to site and carrying materials. Uh, I wanted to make the workshop itself better to work with. You know, any tools that made the job easier, we eventually supplied the better tools to make it easier, quicker, so it makes it more profitable. Yeah, it, it's just trying to do one step at a time and to where we are now. So slowly but surely you, you've brought the firm on and made it made it more profitable by by using modern technology. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's like I say, it's machines that um, will do a job quicker where as the old 
years before we were just using grinders and things like that just hand tools mainly um so yeah it's trying to slightly automate it but without going over the top with it it's just to make it easier quicker and uh, make the lads happier that they're not more than themselves and makes it easier for them so you've got happier stuff as well so takes us neatly on to the products that you make tell us about the product and how they've changed since you were appointed managing director well we we actually make anything if we can make it we'll do it so we do little brackets we do some brackets for rolling some packaging uh, and we can do up to structural steel work we can do steel building uh, we do steel work for house extensions we do gates railings staircases absolutely anything that we can we know we can manufacture we'll, we'll do it there's no limitations we've got uh, businesses coming to us we've got joe public that comes in through the door that just wants a bit of welding doing or or whatever so yeah we we sort of do everything so how difficult is it squaring that so say you've got a house that wants a spiral staircase and somebody comes in and they, they've got a, an exhaust pipe they want welding. Do you have to take somebody off the job to do that then? Well, sometimes um, we can, they can leave the little jobs behind and then we just use them as filling jobs. So if suddenly one of the lads finishes a big job and he's got the afternoon free, I can then say, OK, this small job and that small job and that small job wants to do it. And that I'm will just fill him in then for the afternoon until we uh, get on to the next big job. So based on what we've discussed already and, and the fact that you take a huge amount of pride in, in everything you make, uh, tell us why else you think your customers choose Newbrook Engineering o- over your competitors? Um, well, we always like to pride ourselves on our work. We get a lot of repeat orders. Um, and we, if we feel as though something they're asking for isn't doesn't seem right to us we'll actually sit down and talk to them we won't just chuck it out and say there you go that's what you ordered and they turn around and say it it doesn't work we we don't work that way if we think we can see a problem with what they're asking we'll actually talk to them and try and confirm is this what you want Uh, if we do it such a way it'll work better for you so yeah, we look at things and, like I say, we take pride and we always try and get everything out on time, which doesn't always happen by any means. Um, and, yeah, we've never really had any complaints. Timeliness is um, it is very important, but I think that people will trade timeliness for you taking pride in what you're doing and, and putting out a really good job. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we do get some grumbles, uh, now and again if if it's has gone over but I mean I'll talk to the customer and if there is an issue that looks like it's going to be turned out longer we we won't leave it till the end of the uh, product we'll we'll talk with them before and during and we'll take it from there yeah communication is is huge isn't it yeah 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 we we, we don't steam into anything and just turn it out and say there you go that's what you wanted and by the way it's doubled in price now we don't do that we 
like I said, we, we if we see a problem in that, the actual product, we will talk to the customer. And if there is going to be a problem financially, we will sit down and talk with the customer before we even get anywhere near the, the end of the product. That's admirable in every respect. This is a podcast from the Cat. Today we're talking to Kevin Williams from Newbrook Engineering and Crew. Kevin, you make a particular type of fencing that has created a lot of publicity for Newbrook Engineering. Tell us about the fencing and how it was featured on a national TV show. It's called Cheshire Fencing, which a lot of people will realise when they see the black and white fencing, iron fencing with the curved top, that they see fields, spider roads and things like that. Uh, We've been making uh, Cheshire Fencing for the council since about 86, 1986, uh, where the council approached Gerald uh, about making some fencing. And then Jerry told me the story that he went home and spoke to his father about it because his father used to make it. And so he explained everything to him about king's posts, queen posts, and round bars and flats and everything. So then we started, we won the contract from the council and we started uh, making the fencing for the, for the uh, council. And after so many years, Jerry got uh, a phone call from Country File wanting to come and film us actually making some Cheshire fencing. So in, uh, I think it was about 1997, uh, we were invaded by a load of camera crews and uh, John Craven came down and they started filming, talking to Jerry about Cheshire fencing and his history with it and uh, started filming us actually producing the product. Unfortunately now, due to the test of time, everybody started doing cheaper uh, cheaper versions of it. Ours is made to the original spec when it was very first made. So all the dimensions and the installation is period from many years ago. Now uh, a lot of companies are now just making cheaper stuff, not with the correct curve at the top and it's just basically slots together and with no clips or anything or even gets sight welded together. But so, yours is still made according to the original spec? Yeah, we're still to the old style, the old uh, measurements and everything and the old clips that hold it all together. So do you still get asked to make it occasionally? Yeah, yeah, we still get some parish councils coming to us, asking us to price it and fit it. So, yeah, we still... Nothing like what we used to do, but, uh, yeah, we still do. Okay, Newbrook Engineering's had its fair share of difficult circumstances, uh, including a customer going into receivership, uh, and now you're faced with coronavirus. Kevin, tell us how you've overcome these challenges and continue to trade. Yes. Uh, unfortunately, last August we had one of our biggest customers um, go into receivership on us. It was a very difficult time. At that particular time, we hadn't got any money left in the bank account. So, yeah, it was sleepless nights, panicking, thinking, that's it, the company's going to fold. But uh, with the help of the lads 
from work that work for us they um, they took very minimal wage for a few weeks spoke to our um, suppliers they were very good with us and a lot of customers they actually paid us up front for the products to help us survive well that's an incredible gesture isn't it because they didn't have to do that no 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 um, I think with the second third week after we got the bad news uh, we got about six or seven builders that have come in all different jobs and three of them paid up front before I'd, I'd even ordered the steel or even given them now I've given them the price so yeah before I ordered the steel um, and the others paid as soon as it was delivered on site they phoned up and paid over the phone straight away so you know credit to them they helped us to come through and my staff taking minimum wage uh, for them first few weeks helped us get through it and how long did that process take well we're still still fighting and still trying to get through it all now things are a lot better obviously we had meetings with our accountants and that and they were happy with the way things were moving we were going forward so yeah it's still a process now and even now with covid19 hitting us it's certainly not helped us at all and we managed to stay open on skeleton staff uh, because we supply we're gas agents and a gas agent so we supply haulage firms gas bottles all all sorts of people gas bottles to maintain the lorries and what have you so we we stayed open on skeleton staff and we've just managed to keep going so that's a terrific story, really, isn't it? Now we're starting to come out of it. Hopefully you'll build it back up to where it was and be able to bring your, your staff back on board. Yes, we're, we're hoping that everything, fingers crossed, keeps going. I mean, there's no guarantees in it, but, yeah, we're, we're certainly still going the right way um, and it's just going to be a, a work in progress. We've just got to keep going, keep our heads down and keep going and keep producing the the goods at the right price and hopefully everybody keeps coming to us. Today we're talking to Kevin Williams from Newbrook Engineering in Crewe. Kevin, I know that uh, you value your employees and that you've worked hard to develop a, a happy and positive workplace. Tell us how you've managed this and other than wages, what do you think are the key motivators for a successful team? Well, uh, I think I've, I'm helped with the fact that I used to work with the lads on site and in the workshop. Um, one of them's been with us for 32 years and another one's been with us for 17. So we certainly know each other over that length of time. Um, yeah, they've got the same mentality as me. They want the jobs outright. They don't want to just brush anything and just throw it out the door and say thank you very much. They like to do the jobs right, and which is the same for them. They take pride in their work. Uh, we're we're honest with them with what's going on within the business. We don't, you know, if we're having problems, which we're hopefully coming out of, they know all about it. And if we're good, 
if everything's going well and everything, you know, we tell them, you know, we're doing great, we're brilliant. And they say it at Christmas when we get a Christmas bonus and what have you. So, uh, yeah, it's just being honest with them, being up front. And like I say, they take pride in their work and be a nice little happy family. And as you've already said, communication plays a big part of that in making sure they know exactly where uh, where they fit in the firm. Yes, it does. There's no point in, I don't see any point in not telling them things. You know, they've got as much right to know what's happening as me and Jane have. If we're good, if customers have given us good praise over a job, I'll go and tell them. But, you know, the customer's really, really happy and love you. Likewise, if we do get a bad customer and something they're not happy about, they get, they get to know about, you know, if something was wrong or did something. Yeah. So, you know, they, they get it as much as I get it. Are you in a position where you can take on a, an apprentice? You have an apprentice? Uh, we've had one that's not long, two years ago, come out of the apprenticeship. So he's now stepping up, going up, so we can then leave him to do big jobs and everything. Um, so at some point, let's, I want to get this COVID-19, make sure we get back on the feet properly, and then we will look at taking another apprentice on and train him up and, you know, hopefully be another good engineer coming out. Okay, uh, it's a well-known fact in business, Kevin, that if you don't measure it, you can't manage it. So just give us an idea of how you gauge how well the business is performing. Um, well, obviously, there is the financial side. If the business is doing well, um, the finances are doing well. Uh, we can then obviously pass that on to as bonuses on to the employees. Um, but it's not just about finance. It's, it's also within the happiness of the staff. If I can make the staff's life easier in making things with supplying equipment, and as long as the place has got a happy atmosphere, you know, people, yes, they talk and have a laugh with each other, and and that's it. So it's like a bit like a small family. You, you get to know each other, you know what their hobbies are of everybody, and, you know, it, it's, oh, you did what, such a thing last night, how did that go? You know, it, it's that sort of thing. It's, yes, we've got bosses and then we've got train workers, but they're all together. We're trying to get Newbrook Engineering up there to survive and keep going. Yeah. So and we're working as a team. And there's no doubt that happy staff are productive staff. And with your philosophy of, of having pride in what you do, I'm sure there's a, there's a bright future for Newbrook Engineering on the other side of COVID-19. Yeah, well, let's hope so. It won't be so lack of not trying. Well, I think perseverance is a, is a special quality, and you need that when you're self-employed. You need to be able to dig in and make things happen, and clearly you're doing that. Yeah, yeah. OK, Kevin, I'm sure some of our listeners will be interested in finding out how they can contact you because they've got welding jobs and, and fencing they might need. So uh, tell us how they can contact Newbrook Engineering. Um, well, we've got a website, just put in Google, Newbrook Engineering Welding, uh, and we'll pop up there. 
Uh, also, we've got a Facebook page, Newbrook Engineering. Um, we try to remember to take photographs of jobs that we've made or installed and put them on Facebook. But, yeah. And the telephone number? Telephone number is 01270 584836. Kevin, it's been a real pleasure chatting to you, and I do hope that, um, that based on what you've said, Newbrook Engineering will come out smiling at the other side of coronavirus. And we do wish you well, and thank you for coming on The Cat today. No, thank you very much, Dev. Go to listen.thisisthecat.com for more podcasts and more ways to listen.